You are Locked on Wild, your Minnesota Wild every day. Locked on Wild is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Booley of ZoneCoverage.com. And with me, as always, as often as we can, Tony Abbott from The Athletic of Minnesota. Tony, Mikhail Granlund not only scored with 0.1 seconds remaining in the game to force overtime, he also got the game winner. Yeah, he absolutely did. He uh, he was on fire tonight. Uh, N fire, as they say in Spain. <laughs> yeah, uh, he um, so he forced it to be a a three point game uh, between the the Predators and the Flames. So the Wild don't really seem to gain any real ground on any of those play on any of those teams. And uh, Mikhail Granlin, who has been hot after the coaching change, cashes in with, like I said, the, the game tying goal and then also the overtime game winner. And um, yeah, there was you know, a it, there was a loose bouncing puck that he corralled, right? Yeah, I believe for the game winner. Yeah, jeez, that's uh, that's. I I think Mikhail Granlin was really underrated when he was here. He, he, not in terms of like. I know that he was a fan favorite. I know a lot of people really loved Mikhail Granlin, but when I wrote my article on Fiala, I like mentioned in passing that uh, that Mikhail Granlin was a first-line player when he was here. And somebody, at least one person in the comments, was like, yeah, uh, Mikhail Granlin was not a first-line player. And, and I'm, I'm trying to think, like, if Mikhail Granlin wasn't a first-line player in his last three seasons in Minnesota, where he was putting up 65-plus point seasons... Uh, leading the power play, uh, working as a key cog in a, in a two-way line role. One of the best two-way lines in the league, by the way. Mm-hmm. What is a first-line player? Um, It's this mythical being that um, is kind of like a Minnesota Wild, but we've never actually seen it. Right? Then then, then <laughs> your, your, your definition of a first-line player is, in Minnesota Wild history is it's just basically Marion Gabrick and it starts and yeah. ends there. And, and, yeah. and that's not true. And it's just never going to be met uh, or many of the players on this Minnesota Wild team throughout its history are never going to live up to your standards. Um, but no, Mikhail Granlin, um, it's weird how John Hines is seemingly uh, unlocked kind of what the old granny used to be. And it's nice to see him cashing in. Yeah, I would love to know what he's doing differently with uh, with Gramlin than uh, than he was doing before, right? Because uh, it's not like if if I was going to have a a competition where I pulled a hundred people, who's a better coach, Peter Laviolette or John Hines? Like, I don't think John Hines is winning that one, but for whatever reason, he's getting the most out of Gramlin. Yeah, um, another player who's been making headlines as well. Uh, this guy is going to be a Minnesota Wild player, hopefully, uh, <laughs> soon in the next couple of years. But uh, it's Matt Boldy of uh, Boston College. He now has, uh, I think, nineteen, no, twenty-two points in nineteen games um, since his incredibly slow start. And how badly do you want to force feed some people their words with how fast they gave up on Matt Boldy? I'm not a vengeful person, Joe. No, no. I'm not I'm not into saying things like I told you so 
or you know, or anything like that. <laughs> you're not uh, in, but, you're not vindictive. You're not you don't hold a grudge. I'm not. I don't I don't screenshot tweets and file them away for late. I mean, I, I <laughs> nothing nothing like that. But uh, but I will say, like a, a lot of people were under the impression that Matt Boldy. Uh, forgot to play hockey, forgot how to play hockey, maybe didn't know where the net was, maybe uh, maybe didn't know what to do with his hands, like he's like shaking his stick above his head, being like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing with my hands, but uh, it turns out when you get a bunch of scoring chances, <laughs> eventually they're going to go in. Wow, I wonder, I wonder who says that literally all the time. It's a hard regression to the mean. <laughs> um, Very hard. It's like George of the Jungle leaving an imprint <laughs> on the t- tree regression to the meme. You know, it's funny because when he first started kind of get, uh, finding the back of the net a little bit more, uh, you know, he plays on a line with Alex Newhook, who uh, a draft pick of the Colorado Avalanche dynamic player for BC. Great season uh, himself, too. And having a great season himself. But uh, I've seen like some goals where where Boldy has scored and fa- basically finished off what was a really really great play by Newhook, and they almost discount the goal like, well, I, you know, it was Newhook that did all the work on this. And I'm sorry, but since when does Patrick Kane do all the freaking <laughs> work for his? You know, uh, Alex Ovechkin do all the freaking work for his goals. I mean, certainly there are those moments where they do, but. I'm not complaining about a guy tipping home a, a puck on a gaping net either. I think Newhook has been pretty consistent uh, for for a lot of the year. Like he he hasn't really had like any sort of slump with his season so far. Like maybe he he got out to a bit of a slow start, but uh, but you know he he caught fire a little earlier than Boldy. But I I, I think as I recall, it has been right around the time where Boldy was put with Newhook that new hook really took off and now he's been like a goal per game player over his last like 10 games, 11 games mm-hmm. or so. Yeah. It's been uh, exciting to watch. And uh, like I said, like uh, I thought it was weird. I retweeted the, um, the Boldy goals on Twitter and uh, I got like a strange follow from like one of his relatives. I can't tell if it's like his mom or his aunt or, or whoever it is, but it, I just got a random Boldy follow. It was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But so, I, I think that uh, I think that kind of shows like a lot of what uh, what what kind of player Boldy is going to be too. Like he's like uh, he is somebody who like at least he's showing right now that he can be a finisher. But he's also I think someone who can make his teammates better. And if you look at uh, some of these new hook goals where he gets the assist, you know, like he's yeah. setting up his his line mates pretty nice. He's fighting on the boards. He's he's winning puck battles. He's doing everything you want to see from him. Yeah, uh, we've got a power pack. Well, I don't know about power pack, but we've got a packed episode. We've got uh, um, your listener's choice. It is Friday, and uh, we're going to finish out the week for the listener's choice episode. Uh, we got a good topic today about whether or not we're going to be uh, excited, yeah, happy about uh, potentially the playoffs. So we'll get into that right on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Locked on Wild. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Locked On Wild. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is Tony. Tony, uh, did you know that you can get a hold of us via our email inbox, our Locked On inbox? 
I actually did, Joe, because you say that quite frequently. I do. I always close with it, too. But uh, we got an email from Adam, and he asks, You seem to be on Team Tank, but will you be excited for the Wild if they manage to make the postseason? Now, look here. I want to get one, one thing straight. Just because we like Jared Spurgeon doesn't mean that we don't also <laughs> like the rest of the team. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, we uh, we we named Jared Spurgeon Tank because even though he's small and diminutive, uh, there are times where he hits players and it's like, holy crap. <laughs> no, that but was, uh, he hit that guy like a tank and he's small. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a low center of gravity. I'm sure it has yeah, something to do with physics. Uh, but stocky. We're getting uh, we're getting a little a uh, little down a rabbit hole. Uh, no, uh, you're right. You're right. I am. I am Team Tank. I want to see this team. You know, do as you know as poorly as reasonably possible in terms of finishing with a high draft pick. Um, I'm real sorry that that's the case. I'm sorry that this is the the broken system that we we are in that rewards failure and punishes success, but here we are. I am mostly with you on this. I think that the Wild are clearly not a good enough team to to do anything in the postseason, so it's kind of like a, a an exercise in futility. Overall, though, like, and, and I stated this before, like. I get excited when Fiala is is leading the team. I get, get excited when Ryan Donato scores and when Greenway scores, when Erickson X shows up and and plays a real solid game and, and, and finds his way onto the score sheet somehow. Like, those are the guys that need to take this team into the future. Uh, at least most of them. I don't know how many of them are necessarily going to be there, but I think most of them are got to be the guys to do this. And they're still relatively young, and you want to see them become staples for this team, or at least show that they're going to be staples for this team going forward. So if they're the ones that are leading this to a, a postseason birth, I guess I'm not going to say I'm all for it because like I said, I don't think that the wild uh, have enough to, to make a deep run, but I would be encouraged that this, that this team might actually have some, some good players going forward uh, as they continue to develop for the next season. I mean, when you're looking at, like, who is contributing the most to get them into the playoffs right now, right? It is, you know, it is Kevin Fiala who's kind of been the the team MVP and and kind of carrying the team on his back. At least in my mind, that's the case. And, yeah, like, if you're going to see, like, an MVP type of of performance even for, like, a couple of months out of Kevin Fiala, like, damn, that's that's a start. And that is something to get excited about that, uh, that somebody like that can put it together, and then, you know, you see contributions from Ryan Donato, Jordan Greenway got a goal tonight, um, you know, the 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 blue line, the guys on the blue line, uh, Matt Dumba scoring two goals tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're young and theoretically could also be contributors to this team for quite a while, so yeah, you, you do like to see that. I just don't know, here's the thing, like, if I thought that Minnesota had a path to, like, the conference finals or something like that, like a real good playoff run, that would be one thing. Like I, I, if I could, if I could conceivably believe that Minnesota could pull off a couple of upsets, but uh, you know, I, I might be excited, but here's the thing. I, I don't think that those matchups exist. When you look at the, the teams that they could get, if they sneak into a wildcard spot, which they would have to do to make the playoffs because 
Uh, they are 11 points behind Dallas, who's third place in the Central, so you're not getting yeah. that matchup anyway. Uh, the, the teams that you would be facing would be either the Pacific Division winner, which is right now, it's it's Vegas. They've got a seven-game win streak, and they just fixed their goaltending issues, presumably with mm-hmm. Robin Lehner, or in the Central Division where it's most likely to be the St. Louis Blues, but could also be the Colorado Avalanche, who are also a bad matchup, and Dallas, who could be actually an okay matchup. Minnesota's fared well against them this year, but... You'd have to get to the Western Conference. Well, maybe not the Western Conference, but you have to get to at least the second round to see them, though. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Dallas has a game in hand against them, and they're six points back. I don't think it's likely that Dallas overtakes them or Colorado overtakes St. Louis, but it is possible. You seem to believe that this team might just go ahead and sneak in. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of starting to think that that happens because, and maybe maybe I'm just like talking myself into it, uh, just because it's it's past the trade deadline and they kept their team together, and I'm like, well, they're you know they're they're not changing it up, so like maybe I'm just gonna enjoy the ride from here on out, you know, wherever it goes. But you look at it, and their schedule is really soft. They've got a they've got some games coming up against the uh, uh, against playoff teams in, in Columbus, Washington, and Nashville uh, early in in this next week. But then they have that West Coast swing out where they play San Jose, Los Angeles, and Anaheim. That could be six points right there. Like those are bad teams. Uh, there are you know two games against Chicago, game against Winnipeg. There's a there's home games versus New Jersey and Buffalo. You're you're looking at this schedule and you're like, if they can kind of take care of business at home slash on that West Coast swing, yeah, they they could get in. Yeah, see, and I know it's kind of been their modus operandi when it comes to a Koivu, Parisi, Suter-led Minnesota Wild team, that when their bags are against the walls or when they seem out of it, they do seem to rally to figure out a way to get there um almost parallel to kind of how uh they um they squeaked in under uh john torchetti when they uh, when they ended up playing the uh, the dallas stars in the first round uh similarly when that, that was the same year that mike yo was fired yeah and that is uh that is also that was also a season where minnesota uh got in basically because they were in a weak conference which is kind of their path in just because it's a weak conference because the east is really strong i think the last uh playoff spot in the east is 76 points which would put minnesota at like seven points out instead of the three that they're out now so Mm -hmm. i mean uh i mean the 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 game that nashville uh pulled out and and went to overtime kind of hurts them a little bit but they also played three games against nashville between now and the end of the season Mm -hmm. so that's another uh, way that they have kind of their destiny in hand. I just, I just don't see it. I think that there's too many teams to try to leapfrog, and I just don't believe in the wild goaltending to really, really put it together a run. And I know they're what I think uh, six three and they're one in their last ten, mm-hmm. and and on a two game win streak, and and yeah, they've won. But they're going to have more road games. They're going to have. Um, I just I, I just don't see Dubnik 
finding his game. And I know Salok has been better, but you know, he's been boneheaded too at times. I just don't see him putting together real, real consistent runs to, to really push this team over the top and into a, a, a playoff spot. All right, Tony, we've got one more segment for the week. It has been a power-packed week. Uh, we're going to finish up talking some Ryan Donato. Stay tuned through the break so you can finish your week with some Donnie talk. You're listening to Locked on Wild. Welcome back to the final segment of the week. Uh, had some great guests earlier in the week. I hope you go back and listen to that between uh, Josh from Evolving Wild as well as Jesse Pierce from NHL.com, The Athletic Minnesota and bar down beauties and a whole slew of other places. Uh, really great guests. I really appreciate them helping me out earlier this week. And Tony, uh, we loaded the back half of this week with lots of opinion um, and analysis, but uh, you wanted to talk about Ryan Donato. So why should we be talking about Ryan Donato? Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think I wrote about him earlier this year when he was on that little bit of a tear in his stint as as the second line center in Miko Koivu's absence, and I said then, look, like there's maybe not an ideal fit for Ryan Donato in the lineup. I understand that. I understand there are a lot of left wings in the lineup. I I know that that he's not like a natural center maybe, but whatever you do, you just gotta find a way. To, to, to get him in the lineup because he had been producing. And, you know, he looked really good last year in a, in a higher role. He was producing last year. And, and then once he started getting hot, I know he had a small a slow start, but once he started getting hot, like, he was looking like himself again. And, like, there's got to be a place for that in the lineup, I think. Yeah, I, it's, it's weird with Donato. He's essentially produced in a fourth line role, but he's, but would you even call it like a fourth line? Yeah, I would. They're playing okay. less than 10 minutes a game. We're yeah. Around saw, 10 minutes a game. Okay. So where does he stack up with, uh, I guess some of the other players on this team or even across the league when it comes to like his rate stats and things like that? So yeah, you 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 got it right with his rate stats, right? Because his his regular point totals aren't going to be impressive when you look at them. I think uh, I think right now he's at twenty two points in like fifty five, fifty six games. Uh, but mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta keep into an account that he is, you know, playing such a, a small time, a, a small amount of ice time at night, and doesn't have the minutes. To uh, to provide that impact and consistent point totals, because uh, like when you when you see the guys who get the most points, right, they're playing, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty minutes a game, so they're they're getting almost double the ice time of somebody like Donato, right. Um, but when you kind of even it out by by measuring what they do per minute or per hour, uh, Donato fares fairly well. Um, I, I I looked at his place in Minnesota Wild history. Among players with 500 or more minutes of of even strength ice time or five mm-hmm. on five ice time, excuse me. Yep. And per hour, he's scoring 2.24 points per hour at uh, at five on five, which is really good. If you look at just his goals, it, it's the second most goals per hour that anyone's done in a wild uniform as far back as we have data, which is 2007 to 2008. I wouldn't be shocked if there was a year where. 
Gabrick had more than that. Um, sure. But uh, other than other than the Jason Zucker season where he played limited minutes and scored 21 goals in 51 games, I think. Other than that, Ryan Donato's been the best per minute goal scorer in uh, in Wild history. But uh, even if you look at his points, and he does not have a lot of assists, especially at 5-on-5. Five right. five, uh, but when you look at his assists and add that into the mix, it's 2.24 points an hour, which is in the top 10 of Minnesota Wild seasons in in, in team history since uh, 07-08. What did you think of Dean Evison's comments after the Columbus game? Because Donato and that fourth line really had a a really solid game, and they actually did follow it up with another solid game in uh, in Detroit. But uh, Evison made a comment about Ryan Donato because Donato isn't your typical fourth line player, just kind of about how young players have to kind of go through the process of learning how to play, you know, responsibly on both ends of the rink, making the smart plays and knowing how to contribute um, and working their way up. I'm just curious. Do you think that there's validity there? Do you think that, that that's something that needed to happen for Donato? I mean, I don't doubt that there are deficiencies in Ryan Donato's game. I don't doubt that he's not like a naturally gifted defensive player. I, I, you know, I, I don't doubt that there are ways that he can improve. But what I do doubt is that is that his weaknesses outweigh his strengths. I don't think he's such a bad defensive player that you can't play him for 15 minutes a night. And I, I don't think that he's a, a significantly worse defensive player than Kevin Fiala, say, who, like, I, I think when you get guys who can produce for you, you need to kind of give them the rope to uh, to give you enough offense that it outweighs the other deficiencies in their game. So I'm almost getting, like, the treatment that Jason Zucker got with Mike Yo early in his career. Yeah, and like credit to to Jason Zucker, I think he became a fine defensive player. Um, and, and you know maybe maybe there's gonna be room for Donato to do that. Except that like I don't I don't know if that'll happen just because you know Zucker had a lot of speed, and I think speed really helps you uh, in terms of defense. And, and you know Donato's not like he's not the fastest player, so maybe his defensive upside. Is uh, is more limited than Zucker's was, but I don't know. Like I, I, I kind of don't like seeing offensive guys get held back uh, mm-hmm. because of their defensive play. Like that's just like that's just something that kind of sticks in my craw because you know if if Ryan Donato was like an outstanding defensive player who wasn't providing any offense, I I think that uh, I think that he would play. And the thing is, like that bizarro version of Ryan Donato has just as many weaknesses and is just as limited as the version that we have. It's just on a different side of the ice. Uh, yeah, I suppose. So it, would, would you be okay if he started seeing 12 minutes a night? Uh, more. Uh, I, I just think they got to, I, I think 14 they got minutes. I think they got to find a place for him in the lineup. Okay. Like that's what I want is, is I want them to find a place for him in the lineup and, and you know, because what was he getting last year? I, I forgot what he was getting last year. I had I haven't looked it up. But uh, fifteen imagine. minutes. He got over okay. fifteen. He got fifteen and a half minutes last year. Sure. And look at how good he was for them then. Yeah. Why suppose... can't he have that this year? 
uh, let, let's see it. Yeah, let's get these guys developed. Let's get them in, in positions to uh, where they're taking on more of a role in, in minutes in, on this team. I, I'm for it. Um, I just don't know who you're going to drop down. Um, maybe maybe like a Zuccarello, but you're paying him $6 million a year too. But well, Maybe a guy. I don't know. He's not part of your future, but I suppose. Whatever. We can talk about uh, that another day. We can. Tony... We're going to end the week here on Locked on Wild. We had, uh, like I said, a, some really great guests and a uh, really great showing uh, for the trade deadline. Um, we had another great week here at Locked on Wild. We really do appreciate everybody that has showed up and stuck around. So to f- close out this show, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Tony, and you can find my work, including my new Kevin Fiala story, at The Athletic Minnesota. All right, and you can follow my work on zonecoverage.com as well as follow me on Twitter at JoeBoo15. That'll do it for today's show. And if you liked today's show, please hit the subscribe button on your device so it sends it to you every time there's a new episode without having to do any work. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. Uh, we would appreciate five stars and a nice review, but, uh, you know, honesty always helps too. No, no, uh, no. Five stars. Don't be honest. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. Just look up at locked on wild. And like I mentioned at the top of, uh, the, the second segment there, uh, you can get in touch with us via email. Just email us at locked on wild at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Locked on Wild and be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your Minnesota Wild every day.